Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. So this is going to be um, a new segment that I'm starting with my boy Matt. Uh, it's going to actually be called The Secret Stash. Um, I love Kevin Smith, and we both have stashes, so uh, it's a different type of secret stash. But, you know, I just wanted to start a segment of just random different topics and uh, do it with a friend and, uh, you know, invite other people out that have stashes. So just so you understand, the only way for you to get onto this segment is you have to have a mustache. Um, so you can't be on it if you don't have one. So that's on you. Whether you can, you can't grow one, whatever the problem is, that's it. So without further ado, Matt, how are you? Hey, what's going on? I guess that means the next guest is going to be Luigi. <laughs> Wario. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I, great. I just wanted to, uh, wanted to say congrats on reaching 1K views, man. Thank you. You only started this a couple weeks ago and, uh, you're pretty much on fire. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just drop as much as I can, you know. There's some things out there, like some people are like, oh, well, you should do drip content where I guess you just drip, you you, you just slowly drip um, like weekly and stuff like that. Um, and just so everybody knows, we are sitting on my porch just to kind of have like the, the chill atmosphere, not inside. And uh, so you might hear some cicadas in the background. You know, I hear my dog bark. So I do apologize, but I don't. So um, so the topic of discussion, pretty much a couple different ones. Um I kind of wanted to, because you had hit me up earlier this week talking about it. Does it bother you at all, um, just kind of how things ended with your Marine Corps career? Like, does it affect you in any way? Does it kind of, like, eat at you? And and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to Alcohol Surrounds Us, um, episode two. two. And that's where Matt tells us his story. So it's kind of a little bit of continuation off that. But I just wanted to ask you that. Yeah, I mean... uh... For a long time, like I said the last time, I was very resentful, very bitter. Played the victim card as often as I possibly could, and uh, really that that just kept 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 me at a at a spiritual low forever. It was like there was no getting out of this hole that I got myself in. And you know, like Baker uh, said to me, like, oh you could write a self-help book. And I've had other people reach out to me since the last episode saying like, Oh, I'm glad you have such like a positive outlook now. And like, I just want everyone to know that like, I'm a real human being just like everyone else. And like, I have my highs and I have my lows. So like some days I'll think about it, like listening to this podcast, like so frequently now and like hearing all these virtuous stories of like people's fruitful careers and like how people like rose through the ranks and like, these experiences they've had and like all the places they've gotten to see it's like i kick myself in the teeth like i feel like i've been doing that more often lately and like i was at work this past week i work out outdoors like down by the shore and like i felt like one day i just drove past like 35 marine corps flags just flying high and proud and i it really got to me that day and i was like i feel like a forgotten marine sometimes you know, because uh, I, I, I explained the, uh, the characteristics of my discharge in that first episode, I believe. And uh, ever since I was on the podcast, like, I felt this motivation to maybe not change history, not rewrite my past, but, like, take corrective action towards some of the things I've done. And because, like, no, it hasn't really held me back in life. I've had here on the civilian side, I've had virtuous careers. I've rose through 
ranks. I've had great jobs with benefits and high pay. And, you know, just like when I accomplished my dream of being a United States Marine, I threw it out the window for my own shortcomings because of that mental mindset that I had kept myself in for so long. So it's like, even though I've made comebacks and I have like a positive mental attitude towards tomorrow, some days I still, I still live like, like every other human being, you know, I get depressed, I get upset. I think of like all the good times that I could have had when I should have just focused should be focused on the good times that I did have because there were so many, there were so many good times. And like, I feel like one little mistake I made, like I robbed myself of so much more that I could have had in life. And uh, well, not just life, but in my career field, because like there's more to life than, than your career. Like Marines retire 20 years and they yeah. got like, they're only like 38, 40 years old. They got a whole nother career field ahead of them. You know, some stay in for longer, some, some start businesses and become successful at that. And, have families and have homes and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no different than those people based off this, this mistake I made when I was 19, 20 years old as a private, as a Lance corporal, then to become a private first class for the second time. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I definitely understand, man. And, And it's weird because, you know, I had a different view of people, um, when it came to things like that until I met you until I started having this conversation with you, because I was that person that was like, you know, F those guys and, you know, they screwed up and this, that, and the third. And a lot of times you find that a lot of those people that made those mistakes end up becoming very motivated people. You know, they, they talk about the Marine Corps and stuff like that. And, and I, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, you know, at the end of the day, Marines are Marines forever. And whether or not you made a mistake, whether or not you got kicked out of the Marine Corps or whatever happened, at the end of the day, you still join the Marine Corps with every bit of intention in serving. And your your devils got the best of you. And, and unfortunately, at that young age, you didn't have the coping mechanisms you have now. You didn't have the, the mental oh, oh. toughness that you've, you've gotten now. And, and the thing is, is at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about our past. We can talk about, you know, the issues that we've had and we can get upset over them, which we all do. No one's going to not do that because it's life. We all do it. But I think what, I, what I'm taking from it is that at this time, you've been able to come onto a podcast that was just started and – I don't remember the exact number, but there's like 65 views on your episode alone. So, and there's been people who've reached out to me since then asking me to come on and talk about their issues with alcoholism. And I, and I had a really close friend of mine reach out um, and he was like, listen, bro, I'm really busy with recruiting duty. But he was like, I would love to tell my story of sobriety because he's someone who now has been sober for four years. Um, and he dealt with a lot of anger issues, a lot of alcohol issues, you know, and and it almost cost him his family. And he just kind of I don't really know the whole story, but I, I can't wait to have him on. But, you know, I, I think the biggest reason, again, is just that now you have a voice to tell other people. And, you know, and this is really for those people who, you know, who are going through that right now. You know, people who are maybe they are a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps maybe they're further on in their career because people bro, people lose sight of shit at fucking at staff sergeant. You know, like there was years ago, the guy that I deployed my commanding officer when I deployed to Afghanistan, a couple of years later, 
we found out that he actually was like in charge of a prostitute a prostitution ring on base and and the thing is, is you would never think that of somebody of especially of such high stature you would never think that right and and again this isn't what I'm bringing up isn't to shine like a negative light on the Marine Corps but it's just to to understand and to really just bring up the topic is that the Marine Corps gives you a set of values and a set of a code of conduct to live by. But at the end of the day, the only person that can choose to live by that is you and nobody else. And and at the end of the day, it's like you said, people are going to fall short of that. It's reality. It's We're human nature. We're not robots. You know, as much as people believe and think that, you know, you go to boot camp and you become this Marine who's just like, all right, sir, and you lose all of those things. It's not reality because that drill instructor still has to – he's molding that clay, but at the end of the day, it's still clay. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we all have our own issues, our own insecurities, and it's something that we just slowly get through. Um, you know, and another thing I wanted to talk about because me and you were also talking about this a while ago was just validation. And um, I say that because – there was a Marine, a very close friend of mine and yours as well, um, who called me one night at three in the morning. I was sitting on my couch. I haven't talked to this Marine in probably like five years. And all of a sudden he calls me and he's he's drunk and he's like, hey, man, I need you to tell me and my son about what I did while I was in the Marine Corps. And it, it really sucks that people, they don't forget, but it's such a huge part of their life that they never move on from, you know, and they, and they live through that. And unfortunately, a lot of times they, they're not as close as their friends. They're not, you know, still there. And they see their friends, like you're saying, you know, moving on through the ranks, doing these great things, these photos, these families. And you're like, why isn't that me? You know, but, you know, realistically, we have to realize that we've all made our own decisions. And the only thing that we can do is move forward and move into tomorrow and, you know, seize today and, you know, and, and foster a, a conducive environment for success. Because the reality of it is, is that if we sit and we have self-pity on ourselves or we get into these depressive states, again, which we all do, every one of them, we, we just really got to find people like ourselves, you know, having a common ground where we can have a conversation like this to learn from each other and to be like, hey, listen, man, you know what? If you're that Lance Corporal right now who, you know, who is dealing with something like this, go get help, you know? And and this also brings into the conversation, you know, like we were talking about before, like, you know, we talked about on the one episode, we kind of brought up, you know, the whole idea of the Blue Falcon, right? And... And a lot of people, you know, if you for you, you out there who don't know what that is, is people, if you were, and I guess in other words, it would kind of be like a rat, you know, like someone who went out of their way to, to Blue Falcon you and just kind of throw you under the bus and kind of be like, hey, sir, you see what happened to this dude? And, you know, now that guy, if he's doing it for that reason, that's wrong, right? Just to get the clout or just to be the guy who did it, right? Rats but at the, bad, you know? yeah, but at the end of the day, though, if you as a Marine, no matter the rank, see something that's wrong happening, you have to say something. And that's where the integrity part comes in. That's where, because at the end of the day, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell this story, um, a years ago, I was in charge of um, 
a drug urinalysis. And this guy came up to me and he straight out acts. I had just picked up Sergeant and and I was in charge of watching him and watching people do the drug urinalysis. And this dude comes up to me and he's just like, hey, man, you know, I need you to take care of me. And I was just like, no. I was like, bro, no. I was like, you can have a good day. I'm gonna. And I said to him, I was like, I'm going to make believe I didn't hear that. And now, mind you, that may have been wrong, may not. I, 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 in my heart, in my mind, I believe it was wrong. Um, and I can't even remember the Marine's name. But I remember it happening. And he was a, he was a, a dear friend of mine. And it, what, what fucked me up the most was, and we had this conversation, is that how can you sit here and tell me you're my dear friend, my brother, but you put me in the position to do that? And it's like, yeah. it's not yeah. fucking right. It's, it's not right. It's selfishness. And it's and it's like, and on top of that, it's like, bro, you knew what you did was wrong. And whether or not you thought maybe it was secondhand high or whatever the fuck it was, at the end of the day, you put your friend's rank in, in things in jeopardy. So that's why, like we talked about before, is like when people get mad about getting a DUI or getting kicked out of the Marine Corps or the military for drugs, it's like, bro, you put yourself there. No one else. Now, mind you, have there have there been, you know, crazy stories and crazy times of things that have happened, like people get drugged or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I get it. Things like that happen. And maybe, you know, maybe somebody didn't, you know, I actually had a friend of mine recently tell me this and I was like, shit, I never, I didn't know that. And what happened with him was, is he got a DUI in the Marine Corps and he actually didn't even blow over the legal limit. And it was off base. And and the the civilians, the cops off base, didn't even charge him with a DUI, didn't get go to court or nothing. But because he came back on base, the Marine Corps NJP'd him with a DUI, and he could have fought it, but but eventually he just ended up saying f it and didn't fight it. And you know now he's in out of the Marine Corps. But again, it's a lot of it, too, is just the conversation of like, we don't know. And it's something that I'm realizing now in life is that we don't know what other people are going through. You never know. And you don't know why someone did what they did. And you can sit here and be like, you're a piece of shit and this, this and the third. But you don't know why that Marine chose cocaine, why that Marine chose to throw everything away. And, it, and, you know, I had this other guy that I deployed with. We came home from our, our our deployment, literally, and they gave us a brief and they were like, hey, go enjoy the weekend. We'll see you guys on Monday. Monday morning, we got a drug test and a whole bunch of people failed for cocaine, marijuana, all this stuff. And and again, you don't know the circumstance. You weren't there. You don't know what happened. And it and it's really upsetting to see somebody go through seven months of a deployment seven months of a workup to now not rate combat veteran preference to now not rate anything and get a discharge discharge. Yeah. I'm going to actually cut you off right there. Yeah. Cause uh, I have something that I can kind of relate. I have a couple things to say. Cause you had like, yeah, my bad. Yeah. A yeah. couple stories there. I have a yeah. couple rebuttals, not rebuttals, but things to say, but on that topic, right? So before I decided that this, this last time that I, I was lost in life, I could not manage I needed help. I did not have the means to do it. I'm 28 years old. I don't have insurance anymore. I left my union job to get high, essentially, and because uh, I didn't want to go through the embarrassment of failing a drug test in another prestigious career field. I, I walked away from that one. 
let's say proud, but I didn't walk away proud. I walked away defeated by my own demons, by, by my own actions. And uh, this last time I was like so desperate to go to rehab and I had no insurance. I had no money left. I was living on somebody's like living room floor and like, I'm not proud of these, but I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by this, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. These are the, the moments that make me who I am, right? Yeah. But I reached out to the VA because I had read that like they were giving partial benefits. I had gotten a letter in the mail saying I was eligible for partial benefits, right? Pending something, blah, blah. I didn't really read it. I was probably too drunk or something. But uh, I reached out to the VA to see if they could get me into like a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day treatment, right? Yeah. I got a letter in the mail that it was denied, but I could put it in appeal. But I was I was so fucked up at the time. I was, And there was like a deadline or something. I was so fucked up at the time. And uh, I just didn't follow through with it, right? So then I went off to rehab a couple weeks later or whatever. I, I found the means to do it. I, had, I reached out to somebody I knew, and they had a big enough heart to, like, see that I was really struggling. I was a broken person that just needed somebody to understand and to to help me get back to, like, a 100% human being. Like, And uh, so I keep getting these letters from the VA to, like, my parents' address because I didn't have an address. I was living out of a car on the streets. I actually slept at the Cheesequake rest area for a couple months. You know, it's not like, like I said, not my proudest moments, but it's desperation. And uh, essentially what the VA eventually ended up doing, because there was all these deadlines, they sent me a package that says, we got your appeal, it's denied, and we just want to let you know that your classification for discharge is now dishonorable for VA purposes. I don't have a dishonorable discharge. I'm far from a dishonorable discharge. But now because of my continued shortcomings later in life, because I didn't know how to cope, I didn't know how to manage, I didn't know how to deal with things like a fucking human being, like an adult, like a U.S. Marine, essentially. I didn't I didn't handle myself properly because I not, – not that I didn't want to. I really deep down inside I wanted to get myself well. But, like, I just didn't know how to do it. Like, I – suffer from alcoholism, like real deal alcoholism. And a lot of people say that this is a choice, right? But no, what people fail to realize is yes, it's a choice for me to take a sip of a beer, right? What they fail to realize out of ignorance or negligence or just their own pride and ego is that I have an allergy. The second I take a sip of a beer, my liver processes that beer into this chemical and it sends this message up to my brain and it activates whatever the hell this people in suits and lab coats call it. I don't know. I'm literally a degenerate, but it activates this chemical in my brain and I cannot stop until I'm either removed physically by the police, by whatever means from the alcohol and the drugs or I die. Yeah. My life could be, my world could be on fire. My skin could be blistering. I'm like, I won't waste a beer to pour on my arm on this fucking burning blister because I need to drink it, you know? I, I have it, it I don't have a choice anymore. So that that has continued to uh, to hinder my my perception of what life really is and uh, it furthered my poor decision making and now I, I have to deal with this consequence that I'm now considered a dishonorable discharge from the military, even though I don't have a dishonorable discharge. They will not give me the time of day at the Veterans Affairs for the exact same Exact same thing that I fell short for while on active duty. Yeah. And while I was on active duty, right?
I, I said last time, like, they were routes I could have went. They were programs they would have sent me to, right? But once I got my NJP, right, my sergeant, I'm not going to name him, he was a very arrogant dude, you know? So, like, instead of coming to see me as a man, he came to me as a sergeant and treated me like a piece of shit. He's like, I know that if you're doing coke, there's other Marines in this barracks doing coke, and I need you to tell me who they are right now. And me, I, I, tr- I still to this day, I truly believe in the whole camaraderie and brotherhood thing. And I, I refused to dime people out. You know, I was like, it was a battalion-wide urinalysis. Like, they probably know who did it already. This is like a trap. But I tried to lie my way through the whole situation. I was a scared little kid. And, you know, because I wouldn't give him other names, like, they, he testified against me in my ADCEP board and stuff. Even though, like, my other sergeants, they were like, wow, man, I can't believe that you're going through all this right now. And, like, your morale hasn't dropped. You're still doing 20 pull-ups. You're still showing up for PT and work every morning. Granted, I was drunk half the time, but I couldn't control that. You know, and you talking about that, man, it really is, you know, we were talking to that that mass sergeant. You you were there listening to the conversation. I didn't drop the episode yet. It just happened a little bit ago. But, um, you know, part of what he was talking about was the fact of being a leader and being a man first. And, you know, a lot of times as leaders, we fall short of that. We we get this big head on our shoulders and we forget that sometimes the best course of action is just to be a fucking brother to somebody and just talk to them. Because at that moment in your life, you didn't have anybody to talk to. So now, again, not not placing the blame on him or anything like that. But what would the circumstance have looked like differently if he had been that person? You know, and it, and it really sucks because we'll never know that. But again, this is, you know, again, this the whole purpose of this conversation is that if you're a sergeant out there, you got to really remember that. You got to remember that conversation and remember the fact that you are a leader and you have people below you. And, and not, I don't mean below you, but you know what I mean? Like, because like, for instance, this same thing just happened the other day. I had this guy on Facebook that I'm close friends with and he just lit up this whole entire Facebook status about how millennials are weak and mental toughness and this, this, and the third, and how I've never let it get in the way. And I'm like, bro, that's fucking cool. But guess what? You're not them. And, and, and my wife, you, you know, know he's probably not even that person he's portraying. It, exactly. Or maybe he is, but whatever. But at the end of the day, you fall, he falls short somewhere else in life. Absolutely. And, and the reality of it is that when my wife was reading this conversation, she was like, Unless you have anxiety, you don't know what the fuck it's like to have anxiety. And even then, at that moment, you know, I was listening to a podcast today and the guy was talking about how his story and he, bro, this guy was talking about how he was having 10 to 20 panic attacks a day. And he describes about how you being in the darkest place of your life for hours at a time, but it feels like one second feels like days and he's like, and no matter how much people try to relate to you, even people who have anxiety or have depression, there's nothing you can even relate to because you don't have my type of depression or you're not in my shoes. That's like what so, your buddy Durkee said. Like, I never met this man in my life. He was your best friend. You met him on recruiting duty. And when I heard him, you say that thing that he told you, like, um, you'll never experience it as this person. Yeah. Even if you have yeah. I was like, wow, that's like and amazing. That, exactly. Like an amazing and, way to yeah, and him it. and him saying that in this podcast really teaching me that because the reality of it is, is that like you'll never know because you're not that person. You don't have the cognitive ability that they have or that they lack. So you can't say, oh, now mind you, you know, you can go through 12 steps and you can have a mentor or a sponsor and that person can be there for you. But at the end of the day, 
the only person that can truly be there for you is yourself. And you have to learn how to cope with it. You have to have these coping mechanisms, whether it's running, whether it's whatever the heck it is. And, you know, the, and the other thing I kind of want to talk about, too, is um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Andy Frisella, and um, he has a podcast called Real, Real, Real AF. And he had a neurologist on the podcast. It's the most recent one. And they, they were just talking about life in general right now. And without getting political, um, what they were talking about was how right now everything going on in America and in the media, there's people out there that are doing things where 30 years ago you would have been labeled clinically insane. And now and now and now people are encouraging it, you know, like people out there because I'm going to say this because I don't agree with it. There's people out there who are 30 some odd years old who identify as an eight year old child. And they wear diapers and all these things. But now again, we as in a society are now saying that these things are okay and that, that it's okay to do these things. And again, again, saying the same thing, like, I don't know what this person's been through. I don't know why they feel that way. But now instead of these people getting the help they deserve and, and getting that, 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 that clinical psychiatrist to help them out, now we're just saying, oh, you know what? It's okay that you suffer with this. We'll just normalize it. But the reality of it is, is that if we continue to normalize these things instead of get people the help they need, then you're going to have people out there who do whatever the hell they want to do, because now we're saying it's OK to do them. And, you know, and another thing, too, to go off of what you were saying with the alcoholism. So I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was one of those people. I was one of those people who were like, bro, it's a fucking choice. You choose to pick it up. Da, da, da. And then listening to, to people like you and their story. I I also now looked into different things and now I'm realizing that you're right. It is a there's a, like there are chemical imbalances in your brain. There are different things and people have different things that, you know, cause their cognitive ability to change. And and there's people out there who are just arrogant and don't want to realize that, you know, they don't want to realize that, you know, we, you and, and the worst part is, is that you don't know that until you do it. You know, the so the scariest thing about that is there is no clinical solution to alcoholism. Like, say I had cancer, right? I can, there's way cancer, they can't cure cancer, they can't cure alcoholism, but you can go to a doctor and get chemotherapy. Yeah. You can go get radi- radiation, right? A lot of people lose that battle. A lot of people lose a battle to alcoholism. They're viewed two completely different ways. Yeah. You know, families suffer from cancer, the person suffers from cancer families suffer from their relatives alcoholism mm-hmm. it's i'm not trying to compare the two no yeah because like it is there is a difference absolutely but they're both a disease yeah you know and, and the thing is is that you you chose yes you chose to pick up the bottle right but you didn't know the consequences you, it would affect it on your life you know what i mean absolutely and you know, and it, but again, it's, it's, it, it's so normalized in the environment. Exactly. And that's like a back what we're talking about from the beginning is that, you know, because somebody asked me why I brought up alcoholism and why I felt that I needed to talk about it. And I, and like I said, like, bro, I, I spent two years of my life hiding being drunk from my wife. Um, and, and to the point where, like, I don't even know why I did it. I don't even know why I did it. And, it, and really, the re- well, and a lot of it is because it surrounds camaraderie. You know, and I and I, a funny, really funny story. So there's this guy. I'm actually gonna have him on the podcast. I'm not gonna say his name, but um, I reached out to him and asked him if he, he would he would come on. He was like, yeah, definitely. And um, the way that I met him is we were at a mess night. And for those of you who don't know, it's just a 
a part of the Marine Corps legacy. Like we have Marine Corps balls and we have mess nights and a mess night essentially is where all of them, there's different types of them, but where we all come together from every rank or sometimes they'll say, Hey, only corporals and above or whatever. And then we, we do this thing where very like, it's way too complicated to explain the whole entire thing, but long story short, you have a, you have a president, you have a vice president and people. And what happens is you have to stand at attention and stand up in front of all these people and pretty much state your case or accuse somebody of doing something. So long story short, the guy that I'm talking about, he was the vice president and he was talking to the CEO at the time who was the president and he was an, a recovering alcoholic. Now, mind you, if you get fined in the mess night, you have to drink from the grog. Huh. So now, mind you, he is a recovering alcoholic. So he was going at people and getting them fined, but he couldn't drink because he was a, a recovering alcoholic. And clearly no one's going to sit here and be like, no, you have to drink, right? So then finally the CEO says to him, you know what? He was like, you're a recovering alcoholic. I get it. He was like, so because of the fact that you can't partake in the grog with all of us, I want you to take your canteen cup and I want you to dip, I want you to dip it in the mud. And that's going to be your drink for the rest of the night. So literally, so literally this, this dude, man, this gunny, he was like, okay, sir. And he literally, he did it. And the rest of the night he just had, I don't know how much he drank out of it, but I I watched them in, I watched him do it, you know, but it was, but it was, um, you know, it was just, you know, funny to see again that it's, it surrounds us and it's around us. Um, but so here's a question for you. How does it feel? Do you feel like you're constantly being yeah so my, my next question man, i kind of just wanted to ask you is how does it feel like knowing all the things that you've been through knowing all the different things that you've done do you feel like you're constantly underneath someone's scope do you feel like someone or family or people are just kind of looking at you like look at matt look at what the fuck he's done he can't get better or or look at it, or look at you as in like he's not going to get better or yeah i mean like i said in, the, in the, the first episode i was on like my family did not know what happened to me my people that i my peers didn't know what happened to me back home and like everyone is uh everyone's very nosy sometimes i'd say maybe they're just curious but you know curiosity kills a cat and it kind of killed me on the inside when people would be like what are you doing home like and i just I was so embarrassed to of the truth that like I would make up some crazy shit. Like I would tell people I burped because when I don't know, did I still do burps? Yeah, voluntary enlistment, early enlistment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So pretty much, it's just the fact of like I've had friends do it, where you get to a point where in the Marine Corps where they allow you to get out before your contract is done. Um, sometimes it happens to where like you're gonna you're gonna retire in a certain time, but they'll allow you to get out at 15 years so you can, you know, claim less on your retirement. Or if you're just someone who wanted to just get out and wanted to be done, you can voluntarily separate yourself earlier before beforehand. But yeah, they do. They still do them. It just depends on the climate and what's going on in the Marine Corps at the time. But yeah, it still happens. Yeah. I mean, back, back when I was in the Marine Corps, man, they were, they were forcing people out, you know, some of the best NCOs I had were getting forced out because of like tattoos and like just dumb stuff, like these great leaders and like, Something you mentioned before in the car is like the Marine Corps is having an issue with retention now. And like, I, I can only assume because this is speculation, I haven't been in the Marine Corps for about, I don't know, like seven years now. And it's because of those days when like all these 
Iraq veterans that have outstanding leadership skills that have been in combat that have been deployed to other countries that have the experience are getting pushed aside just so they could have more PFCs blah, 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 all this stuff like it was like a big thing back in the day you know there was so much controversy going on when I was on active duty like they they told us we had to unroll our sleeves you couldn't get visible tattoos which I kept doing because I was already in this existential mindset it was like it doesn't matter so I got a full sleeve got 6105 and like yeah, they were just crazy times, and like being the, the the way my like being who I am, like, and the way my career came to an abrupt halt. Even if I didn't get caught on that one drug test, right? I suffered from undiagnosed, untreated alcoholism, like, and there was no stopping me. I was on a train of destruction, and like when I came home, I told myself I'm not going to drink anymore. I think I might have gone like, like maybe a month tops before I was back at the at the potion or back at the bag or back at the plant, you know, smoking, drinking, doing my thing. And uh, I mentioned like some really dark places that I have I have found myself in because of this. Because when I'm left to my own devices, I'm gonna do what I do. The only thing I know how to do with my lack of healthy coping mechanisms my defense mechanisms mechanisms my fears and uh if i would have not got got in trouble when i did it could have been worse so like it's excuse me when people ask me about like because i have usmc tattooed on my my arm and i love tank tops it's the summer i got a nice tan and i got these black letters on my on my left shoulder and people were always like, oh, you were in the Marine Corps? Or people were always like, oh, what does that mean? Because I know some people still don't don't know yeah. what USMC stands for. Yeah, it's crazy. Although we, we scream it from the mountaintop. Bro, my email has USMC in it, and people are always like, what is, what is, what's USMC? <laughs> and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, United States Marine Corps. Oh, you're in? And then, yeah. yeah. And then once people find out, they're like. That actually, you know, now that you bring it up, that actually is a really good question. You know, like, you have to ha- get that question all the time. All the time. And, and how does that make you feel having to explain or do you not explain? Do you just kind of like brush it off and walk away? I mean, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll get into it, you know, like, cause they're like usually with, with other veterans or members of the military or like people that I, I associate with like nowadays, like I've learned to live my life through honesty and, mm-hmm. and shit like that. So like, there's some things I omit to certain people who like have no business knowing my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah just some people that like wouldn't even understand anyway. So I'd leave things out. But like one of the most frequent questions that any service member is going to get from any Joe Schmo on the streets is, Oh, did you ever go overseas? Did you ever fight a war? Did you ever shoot somebody? Bro. Talking about that. I had a, um, today I was at work and I met the, like the director of the director, like the big wood guy. And he had everybody in the room. It was his first time meeting some of us. So he had everybody go around the room and ask them, you know, their story or whatever. And it got to me. I was the last person. And I was like, well, I've been in the Marine Corps for 12 years. I'm now in the reserves. Um, and I just got off recruiting duty. And now I'm here. First question, he looks at me. He just looks across at me and goes, so? Did you go overseas? Did you see anything? And it's like, and I'm glad that you brought that up to kind of just move on to another topic. But And we'll go back. But if I don't bring this up, I'll forget it. It 
it's such a weird thing going on in Marine Corps right now because there's so many people. Like I saw, I told you, there's a new sergeant major who just checked in, and he only has like 16 ribbons, right? And you know, from when we got in the Marine Corps, there was dude, you never saw a sergeant major who didn't have like 20 or more, right? Yeah. So now it's it's and for those of you who don't know what ribbons are, what they stand for is it? It's pretty much your resume on your chest. Where have you been? And you can see just based off of someone's ribbons if they've been overseas and if they've gone into combat. So realistically, you can't go out there and bullshit a bullshitter because people are going to be able to call you out on it, right? And the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of people feel like because they haven't deployed and because they haven't gone overseas that they're not a quote-unquote real Marine. And the, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is because, again, going back to that whole validation piece, you know, a lot of people feel like they shouldn't even bring it up or, or stuff like that. And one thing I would really caution anyone who's never been in the military, stop asking that question because it's such an awkward question to yeah. be asked. It could be a painful And it can, too. exactly. Or, or people ask, have you seen combat? Have you lost anybody? Bro, do you want me to ask you, hey, man, have you ever known anyone who died of cancer? Yeah, right. No, you would never say that because why would I want to bring that into the world? Why would I want to bring that up? Yeah, right. You know, your ass kicked yeah, yeah, mouth, it just right. doesn't, you know, so I would just urge you guys to just be careful and cognizant of the question that you ask. And, and again, going back to the validation piece, it's really, you know, a lot of Marines and I feel, I do feel so bad because for instance, myself, I got lucky. I came home. I literally came home from boot camp, got to my job, my, my unit and within three months of being in my unit, we deployed to Afghanistan. And, you know, now I can say I'm a combat veteran and things like that. But there's people who literally showed up a week, two weeks after I did, who couldn't go on that deployment. And then they spent six years in the reserves, never doing anything. And now they literally get out and they have this, this mental blockage of like, oh, I, I'm not, I don't read or, oh, I don't whatever. And it really like, and we, me and that master, me and master and Gomez, G man, we were talking about it too. And you know, it's he said it perfectly, man. At the end of the day, only one percent of America's population can ever become a marine. And then within that is there, there's also only a certain amount of percentage of people who will only serve in the military. Period. So any 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 climb, any place, and any any um, branch of military. So the idea that you even number one put your name on the list, went to boot camp, did all those things, just speaks volumes of who you are. And at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can do to change that. You can't change the fact that you never deployed. You can't change those things. But what you can do is just be the best version of yourself while you're in, and and do the best that you can for yourself. Now, mind you, do we all crack jokes on people? Of course. You know, I, I cracked. Yeah. Oh, so great story, bro. So um, I'll bring that up because it's, it's, it's fucking, it's funny. So there, so this dude was in the Marine Corps. I haven't talked to the dude ever. And again, this is not a disrespectful thing, but you know, this guy, we had, we were both Lance Corporals together and um, me and a couple of my buddies, we all had just gotten home from Afghanistan. And then there was another Marine who was actually uh, infantry Marine. And he was on the History Channel, and he literally has a whole segment of, of, uh, dedicated to him and his story and what happened when he was a PFC. And so he had a Purple Heart and a huge ribbon stack, like made mine look disgusting, like nothing. And um, this good little girl, not knowing any better, 
like probably like maybe 10 years old, comes walking up to us. We're walking down the street and by the beach or by, I think like Belmar or something. And she comes up and she first says, thank you for your service. And then she says, what do those mean? And how come he doesn't have any? And at the time, he only had one, which is the national defense. So she was like, you have so many, but he only has one. And I was like, well, you know, we went to Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was like, but he fought in the pencil war. <laughs> and and she was like, the pencil war, what is that? And I jokingly was like, you know, they, they hide behind desks and they just throw erasers and pencils at each other. <laughs> and And then a couple of hours later, at the end of the day, when we were about to get in the car and leave, a little girl comes walking by from across the street and she goes, Thanks for serving in the pencil war. And and again, it was it was a harmless joke. It didn't really mean anything about it. But now thinking back, like to him, maybe it did. You know, maybe it did affect him. And and reality of it is is that again, going back to what we were saying, you, you don't know what people are going through. And and I just want to tell you, anybody out there listening, like don't constitute your lack of ribbons for your service. Because at the end of the day, you still did something that others may never do. Yeah, and we all joined the Marines, man. We joined to go fight a war. That's what Marines do, you know? We were young kids, leaving our families, just getting out of high school. And, uh, you know, shit happens. Some Sometimes shit that you want happens. Sometimes shit comes from out of nowhere. Sometimes we make bad choices, you know, and that... that there's a there's like a limit to how much we can dictate of our own like yeah. destinies. You know, it's it's like G Man said. You know, he he said it best, man. He was like, he was talking about how he had some people that he lost overseas, and he was like, I would give anything to have them back. And and the thing is, is that and those families would probably say, yeah, you know what? I wish he didn't have those ribbons because now they're just in my house on the wall, and he's not here. Wow. You know, so it's 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 really, you know, when you think about it like that, again, it's it's just we are all in the right place at the right time, whether we believe it or not. There's a reason why you weren't overseas. There's a reason why you didn't go and, and stuff like that, you know, and it really is just something that we got to be cognizant of and realize that there's nothing that we could have done about it. Now, mind you, if you're the guy who skipped out on a deployment or something like that, now that's a totally different story. But yeah. But um, but again, you know, realistically talking, it's just we just got to remember that we can't change our pasts. All we can do is look forward to the future and um, just keeping better versions of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. We keep saying overseas, overseas, overseas. And it's got me really thinking like, cause, you know, I'm a jokester and I'd like to, I like wordplay so much. It, it kind of sounds crazy, maybe to somebody else, but. When I got out of the military and, like, people asked me, like, you ever go overseas? I'm starting to think, like, no, I didn't. I went underseas, you know. I was <laughs> drowning. I was drowning in, like, all these emotions and, like, this hatred. And, like, just, like, the what if, the what if, the guilt, the embarrassment. And, like, dude, I learned how to swim, you know. I learned how to swim. And I'm, I'm not talking McQuist over here. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I was treading water for a long time. You know, without the other Marines that I know to this day, like without other Marines that like suffer from similar things, maybe they haven't had the same consequences, but they understand to a point like what I could have been going through because like they don't know my full story. They just know like, oh, I suffer from alcoholism, too, or like I've done dumb shit when I was drunk, too. They don't know what led me up to that point. So like they can't really 
I guess, like how Durky said, like they can't live it through me. But like without my fellow Marines and like my fellow man, I'd have fucking been a skeleton at the bottom of the fucking ocean underseas. You know what I'm saying? So like just the gratitude I have for like people like, like Benny here and like Baker and everyone that spoke on the podcast and the families of people that have come out and spoke and like, I, I just can't express enough gratitude, you know? And like gratitude is an action word to me these days. So like by me coming out and sharing my story is like, it's one of the, one of the ways that I can heal myself by reaching out to those that are, they're fucking drowning, they're thrashing in a choppy ocean and they just need a hand. They just need somebody to understand and somebody to listen to them and not just call them a shit bag or like try and get more dirt on other Marines that might've been doing the same thing. Cause you know what? When you're trying to screw somebody else, you're only screwing yourself. So yeah, what goes around comes around. You're not wrong, man. Um, I'm I'm thinking. Oh, he's thinking. He's drooling. Actually. <laughs> he's drooling. I swear. No, I, I just you know I, again. I'm just thinking about like something that's really been on my mind lately is just, and we're talking about it is just being at the right place at the right time, right? And 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 the and the universe has its way of putting you in that place, right? And um, the reason and 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 really just something that I want to share because this guy was that I was listening to today, and I actually ended up talking to him. Billy, I can't say his name. I, I'll look it up. I apologize. But um, he's a Christian motivational speaker. And um, he goes through his story and he talks about how he he found, he got a call from his mother, I think it was, that his father was in, in the hospital, had a really bad stroke. And his father, um, you know, couldn't couldn't like wasn't coherent and stuff and and he was there the whole time and you know while this was happening he was he was a christian but he had kind of walked away from it i I believe he said and he was just talking about how how in order for you to understand life and in order for you to understand things you have to go through pain and you can't know life without loss and and he and and when he said that, it made me think back to a time in my life where I'd just gotten home from Afghanistan, and um, right before I left for Afghanistan, I was able to see my grandfather happy, healthy, and um, and I, and mind you, my grandfather, he was an amateur wrestler at some point in his life. Um, yeah, he he, you know, he was an amateur wrestler. He was one of the strongest people I've ever met in my entire life and and I never never in my life did I see him cry right and um so I come home from Afghanistan and I was on unemployment I was just sitting home now mind you it wasn't on unemployment because I needed to be it was just hey I was making more money on unemployment and I didn't know what I wanted to do yet so I kind of just said hey fuck it so I'm on unemployment and my wife um if you know my wife my wife does not do spur of the moment things. My wife does not do anything like that. She's someone who's against that. She just doesn't do that, right? If we Except haven't, when it came to yeah making a studio, <laughs> yeah, the right. Garage, she was all on board. Yeah, but if if it's not planned out and things, she doesn't do it, right? So one morning I'm sitting there and I was up all night playing video games. I was playing Borderlands, and um, I was just about to go to sleep, and my wife wakes up and she's like, "Doug, we have to go to Vermont." And I was just like, what? I'm like, why? Like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, you don't do things like this. Like, why are we suddenly going to get up and go to Vermont? And she's like, Doug, I don't know. But I have this overwhelming feeling that we need to go to Vermont. 
And now, mind you, since I gotten home from Afghanistan, I hadn't gone to see my grandfather. Um, so I was like, okay, let's do it. And my wife, it was like a, it was like a, a, a weekend. It was a, I think it was like a, like a Monday, but she had like, we had, she had like a couple of days off and then she had to be back work, back on work on, on Wednesday. And I was like, babe, like, we're going to just go there and turn around. She's like, Doug, I don't know why, but we have to go. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we go to Vermont and um, we get up there and mind you, like I had heard that my grandfather was having like medical conditions and medical issues and he had recently just broken his back. So he was, he was on a gir- on a, on a hospital bed in the living room of the house. So as soon as you walk into the house, the first thing you see on the right is him laying in this hospital bed. So first of all, I have never seen my grandfather in this way, right? So that immediately just hit me in the face. Like, what the fuck, right? The strongest guy I've ever known, like, is now, you know, being hospitalized and living, you know, in his house on a fucking hospital bed. So that alone was just like, what the fuck, right? So now, mind you, one of the things I didn't know, or I think I knew, but I didn't realize how bad it was was that my grandfather was suffering from um, Alzheimer's and dementia. And there was times where he would go in and out of knowing where he was and stuff. And he was, for whatever reason, it was like he was living when he was a younger kid. So the only people he knew was, he he always called my grandmother Ma, and that was it. And then for some crazy reason, even though he only met my wife like four or five times, he knew my wife by name and called her Hillary. Me, for the time that we were there, he called me my father's name, which is Jim. And I remember I walked in the house and the first thing that happened was I went right up to my grandfather to give him a hug like I always do. And he looks at me and he goes, get the fuck out of my fucking house. Put the fucking gun down. Why are you trying to kill me? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? I'm like, I'm like grandpa, it's me. Grandpa, it's me. So my grandmother comes out of the room and she's like, she's like, she's like, she's like, dad, relax. She's like, it's Douglas. It's Douglas. And, you know, my grandfather comes to and he looks at me and he goes, still not knowing my name, not knowing who I am. He just looks at me and he goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I didn't notice it was you. And he calls me my dad's name. He calls me Jimmy. He's like, I didn't know it was you, Jimmy. I didn't know it was you. I'm so sorry. And so things relax, things calm down. And we do what we always did, watch wrestling. We want, My grandfather was huge into wrestling, like, and never missed a fucking night of wrestling, no matter what it was, you know, Monday nights, Friday nights, whatever, whatever it was. And we would always, so we weren't there with him. We would call him from wherever we were, and we would talk about what match was going on, who we thought would win. And now, since he's passed on, I do that with my dad or my my older brother will do that with my dad. Me, I'm not really too much into wrestling anymore. I kind of just left it alone, but whatever. I love the uh, WWE wrestler ice pops. Those, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are the best. So um so so what happened was we realized that my grandfather's not doing good. And I I don't know why, I don't know what came over me, but I suddenly have this thought in my mind that my grandfather is going to be dead in the next coming days. No idea why, no idea why I felt this way, but I just felt like this was, it was, it was in, it was it. Like this was the end and this was, it was, that's why I was there. So I call my dad, I tell my dad and my dad's like, Doug, relax. He's, he's fine. He's going to be okay. And I'm like, no dad, like I'm serious. Like I really, I'm telling you, you got to come down here. You got to come down here. So I call my brother, same thing. 
And my brother currently at the time was in the army. He's about to retire now. Um, and he was like, bro, I, I can't take emergency leave for a thought. He's like, I have something has to happen in order for me to be able to do that. And he was like, I think going through some kind of training exercise. And then I called my sister and my sister was like, listen, the last time I saw pop, you know, he was great. He was healthy. He was this. She was like, I don't want to remember him any other way than that. And she was like, so if that's how it's going to happen, she was like, then I'm just going to leave it at that and whatever. And I was like, okay. So, you know, in the next coming days, me and my wife, we just sat there in the room and we stand. Now, mind you, the whole entire time me and my wife were there, we stayed in the living room with him on the other side of the living room. The living room, you, you guys can't see this, but pretty much it's the size of my porch, maybe a little longer. And me and my wife would lay in bed and we would just talk about things at night, you know, and we just talk about things. And at the time, my wife was not a Christian. She was not a believer in, in, in Christ or it, she just believed in nothing. And um, and I, I remember I again, I had this overwhelming feeling and we just would talk about different things like spirituality and stuff. And then the next day, again, I felt like the same feeling. So I called my dad and I was like, Dad, listen, like I'm telling you, you got to come here. So my dad, I guess, agrees and he comes down. And um, he comes into the house and we're hanging out. We're, you know, BSing with my grandpa. And my dad says, my grandfather says something of the sort of my heart, my heart. And he was like, I'm having a pain. I'm having a pain. And my dad says to him, as he's going upstairs to go to bed, he goes, old man, you ain't never had a heart. So how could you feel it? So my father goes up to bed um, and... A couple of minutes later, I'm laying in bed with my wife. My grandfather falls asleep, and all of a sudden, he gets up. Out of he gets up, he sits up in bed, and he says, "Jimmy, come here, Jimmy, come here." So I'm like, I look at my wife, and I'm like, "Do I go get my dad, or do I just go over there?" And I, again, I didn't know how my dad would take it or whatever. So I was like, you know what, I'll just go over there. So I go over and I sit in a chair right next to him, and I hold his hand, and he starts crying, and he starts talking about how sorry and he's like he says jimmy jimmy go get go get your brothers go get your brothers and i'm like okay clearly there's no one else in the house there's no one for me to get so i'm just like okay i'm like we're here dad we're here and he starts asking for forgiveness and he's like i'm sorry that i wasn't the man that i should have been i'm sorry for all these years and he's like i'm just so sorry and i love you guys and then i'm like well we love you too dad or pop or i don't remember what i said and um I go back and I lay down with my wife and I ask my wife, because if you know anything about Christianity, Christians believe that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, that when everything is said and done, you're going to die and go to hell. That's what Christians believe, right? So I'm looking at my wife, someone who knows nothing about Christianity, knows nothing about the Bible, biblically nothing, right? She's never even been around church, really. And I look at my wife and I'm like, well, what happens knowing that she doesn't know the answer? Because I don't know the answer. Nobody knows the answer. I'm like, well, what happens when someone no longer has the cognitive ability to believe in God or anything? Right? What, what happens now? Is that person just beat? Like what, what happens? Right. So, again, now, mind you, when I'm having this conversation with my wife, we're across the room and we're whispering, like literally like such a low whisper. And my grandfather wakes up out of his sleep and he just yells three times i know jesus three times bro yeah that's all he says he goes i know jesus i know jesus i know jesus 
And then he falls back to sleep. And that's it. So the next day I wake up and it's, I think it was a Sunday. And I look at my wife and I'm like, I'm like, babe, I can't go home. I was like, I can't go home. I got to be here. I feel like if we leave, he's going to pass away. Like, and my wife's like, Doug, you have a job interview on Monday or on Tuesday. You have things going on. She's like, and I have a job. Like they already let me stay longer than I needed to. Like I, we can't just stop our lives. Like we got to go home. So my dad gets in his car. We get in our car. We get home. And, um, crazy thing was, is that, um, when we had headed to Vermont, I started listening to this new country singer. His name is Eric Church. And Jack Daniels kicked his ass. <laughs> so, so we're listening to Eric Church on the way home. And this, this song comes on and, um, it's called those I've loved along the way. And he starts talking about how. His grandfather, was, he gets off of a school bus and his father's at the school bus and he says, hey, grandpa's in the hospital. We got to go to the hospital. And he goes on to talk about how he loses his grandfather and he talks about how he taught him how to fish and all these things. Mind you, my grandfather taught me how to fish. It was one of the only things that we really did and like one of the fondest memories I have of him. So I start bawling, crying in the car, dude. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man, right? So we get home. I go to bed and the next morning I wake up to three missed phone calls from my dad and my dad's like, Hey, pop had a heart attack last night. Mind you, he said, my heart, my heart. So my pop, my grandfather had a heart attack. Um, and then he was laying on the ground. So they called, they called like a, I guess like the local Pope or priest or pastor. I don't know who to come and just pray over my grandfather and pray in the, in the house. And, um, it was my grandfather, my uncle, and my, 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 my grandmother. And I'm, I'm like, listen, babe, I don't know that we're going to get there in time, but we got to go back. So me and my wife get in the car and we start flying and we hit Albany, which is like the halfway point. And my grand, my phone start. Now, mind you, the whole entire, I remember that still remember from this day, the whole entire sky was pitch black, like thundering, lightning, raining, torrential downpouring. And my father calls me and I answer the phone and I'm like, what's going on, dad? And my heart drops. And he's like, hey, grandma just called me. Grandpa passed away. And literally as I hang up the phone with my dad, the entire sky just opens up and the sun's shining. And it's like the most beautiful scene I've ever seen in my life. And I still remember it. So my wife is like, well, do we keep going? I was like, yeah. I was like, let's just get there. Let's be with my grandmother. Let's be with my uncle. Like, let's just, let's just go. So we get to Vermont. Um, my wife actually almost, it was snowing. It was sleeting and it was late at night. And we almost drive off the road from how like slick the road was. And um, at the time I had this dog and what was weird about the dog was my, he would always look at my grandfather and he, my grandfather would always sit in this seat and my dog would look at him and just bark. And then eventually my grandfather would look at him and just go, stop. And then my dog would just lay there and just still stare at him, but he wouldn't move again. So we go into the house, we bring the dog and my dog starts staring at this empty chair and he starts barking at it. And then all of a sudden he just stops barking and the rest of the entire night, he just lays there staring at this chair and it was such a weird thing, man. And, and, and like I said, man, like the reason, I don't know why I felt like right now is the time to share that, but it was just, 
talking about what we're talking about, like you don't know where you need to be. And if you have that overwhelming feeling of I need to be here at the end of the day, whether it's the universe, whatever it is you believe in me, I believe that it's God, you know, there's things that we will never know and that we will never possess the knowledge of knowing. And it's just being not, I wouldn't say lucky enough, but being able to witness that was just something in my life that I've never been able to forget. And it's just an awesome thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Wow. That's an amazing story. And you know what? It made me really realize that like, if you truly believe that you're where you need to be, you're exactly where you need to be, you know? And like, I, I feel so much better now because like speaking about what has been going on recently, like what I share with you and then like coming and talking about it, like it made me realize like, no, I didn't get to complete my, my active enlistment. But right now I am exactly where I need to be. I went through exactly what I needed to go to because now I have the ability to hold my hand out and change people's lives, you know, like, and, uh, it's just like a beautiful feeling. Like when you're describing driving through Vermont and like the sky opens up and like, everything's like a beautiful scene. Like I was at work today and like, usually we stay in like the shore area. My boss keeps it small. He's like a local guy. Sing like runs a little business. And we came here to freehold Howell area to do some work today. And like, we're driving through the town that my family moved to when I was entering high school. Like I, I grew up my teenage years here and like, I just looked around and I noticed how fucking beautiful the area really is. Yeah. And like the last couple of years where I've been, like I spent a couple of years in other States, like trying to get myself well and all this stuff. And like, while I was here, like I had been in some really dark times and like, I could see places that I had been during those dark times, just like how, how like beautiful they, they, they are yeah. because the change of perspective I've had, yeah. like the change in my, my like mental health and like my, my outlook on life. And it's like, it's really like a beautiful thing to be here today, to be alive. Cause like yeah. G man said, like there's people that are no longer here that he would do anything to get them back. And like, yeah. there's nothing you could do to come back once you're gone. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm still here. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. So it's great to have the conversation. And it's something that you're talking about too, like just talking about like, you know, a lot of people always ask that question, you know, if, if there's a God, why does he allow these things to happen, right? And and realistically, now that I've lived through life and I'm learning more as I get older and stuff, it, realistically, you know, we can ask that question, right? And then I think, in my personal opinion, the the answer to that is because now you can share a story with somebody else. So like people ask all the time, well, why do people lose, you know, young children? Well, guess what? At some moment in your life, you may come across somebody who's dealing with that exact same thing and you can share your story of how you got through it. And of course, again, we'll never understand God's, you know, omnipotence. We'll never understand his his way of thinking or, or anything like that. But but the reality of it is, is that it, like the guy was saying on that podcast is that you cannot know life without knowing pain. You cannot know life without knowing loss. Balance. And 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 exactly, it's balance. That magic you know, word, man. That is, balance is the key to life. You know, because without balance, you're on your ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, but realistically, man, we're gonna have a lot more conversations like this. And I and you know what I what I really appreciate about this is that 
you know, I was saying it today when when I dropped another podcast. Is bro, I I've I don't know if I'm the only one, but I've had many many conversations with myself. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and no, and no, it's, it's <laughs> and it's crazy now that you know, like us, we're having this conversation, but somebody else may be listening to this, and now they feel like they're inside of the conversation, and that's really what I want to do is you know get people out there just talking about the things that bother them and you know showing you you that you're not alone and that you know there's people that are going and like i was talking to you about that group that i just joined you know without going into too much context because you're not really supposed to um disrespecting people's boundaries and the things that that they want to share and not share but it's it's crazy that when you sit down with a congregation of people and you're in a room with people that are like-minded or even not like-minded and you begin to talk about the things that you've been through and you realize that you're not alone and that you know like this season that you're going through is a season that someone else may have been through or is about to go through. And the reason why you've now connected with those people is because now you can help them through that season. And, and, and on top of that, you can also be a part of that season with them. So they're not alone through that season. So realistically, it's really just, you know, what I, what I'm, what I'm coming at and essentially is really just understand that if you feel compelled to say something to somebody, then say it. And it, and then I say that because another, Unless it's hurtful. yeah, <laughs> but sometimes you have to, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm not saying Talk go out there and be rude, people. but sometimes you're going to tell somebody like, Hey man, you're really fucking up right now. Yeah. And you got to, before it gets too far. Right. That's accountability. And yeah. And another thing the guy was talking about was, um, he, he talks about how he, he used to be, um, he, he lived, I don't remember where he lived, but he was surrounded by dope boys and he was surrounded by gangs and stuff like that. And he said that he worked, I think it was a deli. And there was this guy who came in all the time and the guy would talk to him and talk to him and talk to him. And he, oh, and he was a a local dope boy in the neighborhood. And he said something along the lines of, he had this overwhelming feeling that he had to tell him that they were coming to get him. He didn't know who, but he had this overwhelming feeling that he had to say, hey man, they're going to get you. And the guy would come in every day and he would just wouldn't say anything. He would beat around the bush. He would have conversations with the guy, but he would just never say anything. And he said he felt that like it was a, a revelation from God that he needed to say this. Right. And apparently, I, I think what he said was that like five or six times this continued to happen. And then finally, one day he stopped seeing the guy, didn't see the guy. The guy stopped coming in. And then all of a sudden this guy comes in and um, he it was him and his girlfriend and the guy could tell that there was something wrong with him. So he's like, hey, man, like, is everything OK? Is everything what, what's going on? And the guy was like, "Nah, man, you know, I'm just just dealing with a lot right now. I just lost my brother. My brother passed away. And, uh, you know, I'm just really hurt. And I just came from I think he said, like, I just came from the funeral or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, who's your brother? And the guy was like, oh, you definitely know him. He was always in here coming in here, blah, blah, blah. And um, the guy's like, oh, well, do you have a picture or something? He's like, actually, we just made shirts that we wore at the funeral. You know, but and he says to his girlfriend, hey, go get the shirt. So the guy brings in, the girl brings in the shirt, and the shirt has the picture of the guy that he never said it to, right? And then he finds out that he was standing on a corner outside of this, I, I, it was either a bodega or a gas station or something, and this rival gang just shot him to death. And he was like, and the brother goes, they got him. And now this guy is like, wow. If I had said something, it could have changed something. And he and and now he just always sees like any time I, I I feel the the 
being compelled to say something. I just can't let myself not say it anymore. And it, and again, it just kind of all goes back into it. Like talking about everything, like we talked about a lot, you know, a lot of things like validation talking about like just being there for people. And that's really what it is, man. Like you, you don't know what anyone else is going through and, and a simple, just, Hey, how are you? A simple, just wave or a simple, thank you. Or a simple holding the door or something like, so if someone's going through something so dark and deep and they don't know that, but then light shines in, you know, it, it's something that we can do. And, and realistically, that's, that's it. Just, just be a fucking human being, be a nice person, yeah. you know, and just, and be thankful and have gratitude. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, and, you know, if you can help somebody, help somebody, whether it's a dollar or whether it's just a kind word, whatever it is, just, just be there to help people. Yeah, that's it. Really being, living a life of service is like the only way that I've ever felt a purpose in, in life. Like I pretty much grew out, grew up without any sense of identity. I had no idea who I was. And, you know, I, I, I wore chameleon skin. Like I, I would change my personality to blend it with this group and this group and this group and I, I know so many different groups of people and like it's funny how like later in life like groups of people i know from here and groups of people i've known from here came together and i'm like the one that knows everybody and everyone's like how the hell do you know this guy what is he the mayor <laughs> and in reality i was just like because i didn't even know myself you know yeah. and it's like crazy to think of that and then like one more thing i wanted to touch on like yeah. speaking of validation and you brought up this guy that we both know who, like, was constantly seeking validation. I've gotten the same kinds of phone calls from that same person. You know, like, and he was like, I'm at work and, like, these people are calling me out. They're like, I need, he's like, I need you to to vouch for me. Like, tell them I, I never lied. I never, like, fucked with the people that, like, I, I did things for, blah, blah, blah. And I would always be like, man, I miss this guy. Yeah. It's crazy. And it also ties into, like, one of the first questions you asked me on the on the uh, first episode I was on is like your introduction to alcohol in the military in program. You know what I'm saying? It was something I, I didn't think about until I listened to the podcast myself and I was like, you know what? That's not the first introduction I had to alcoholism or to alcohol. And like it's crazy how we're just like it's it's so normalized in today's society that like alcohol is not a drug alcohol is okay like people drink wine it functions people drink beer and whiskey and like you could go out and get a dui in the military and you're not held to the same standard as someone like me who failed the urinalysis mm-hmm. but you could get three duis and like when i was in the fleet there was this this one sergeant who as a pfc got three duis mm-hmm. and then I don't, I don't know his story. I barely knew the guy. He was in, like, a different different uh, platoon. He was in, like, headquarters yeah, platoon yeah. for, like, my battalion. And, like, he was such a hard ass. And I was like, who is this guy to be such a hard ass with his three DUIs, blah, yeah. blah, Like, he's – and he, I don't know if he was, like, in recovery at the time. Yeah. But, like, he got his life together somehow. Yeah. But it's like I almost felt for a long time, like, wow, it's so not fair. Yeah. But you know what? Like you said, we're put exactly where we need to be. I'm not a Christian. I'm not like a religious person by any means. But I did find faith and I do now believe in a power greater than myself. Is what it's what restored my sanity. Yeah. You know, and like just being able to have that mentality of like, I'm irritable, discontent, whatever right now in this moment. All I got to do is just let it go. 
this is what this higher power wants. And like, it's in his hands. I'm not living on my will anymore. Cause like when I'm left to my own devices, the world is on fire. Yeah. I'm burning bridges that are already on fire. I'm lighting other people on fire. You're throwing gasoline on a fire that's already going. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and just going off of While that. holding a road flare. Yeah. Like. And, and the worst thing though, is that like, sometimes you feel like there's just no one there to help you. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, again, it's just being that person just to, to ask, like, hey, man, are you okay? Yeah. And like, I've come to find that there are – even you have reached out and tried to give me some resources as to what I can do now. Yeah. Following up with this this unfortunate news I get that, like, the I'm not considered a veteran or whatever. Like, what I did didn't count. Like, when I – when I think back to uh, you asking me like why I joined the Marine Corps and I gave like some some movie quote answer or something like that like it was something that I wanted to do since I was a young child right and like I said I grew up without this identity I had a lot of mental health issues growing up because of something that happened to me as like a very young child and that's like it's it's not something that I'm like hush hush about it's like I'm open about it but like this is not really the time and place for that yeah. so like I grew up very resentful towards authority figures towards life towards god towards other people and uh i used to think that like the reason i signed this contract to go fight this war was because i was selfless but in turn when i really break it down it was selfish of me to want to go do that because i didn't care about my own like future i didn't care about myself essentially and like i was willing to go give my life for somebody else because I didn't hold my, any value in myself. So I'm not going to say it's a suicidal ideation I had because I wouldn't really say it's the same classification of suicidal to go like be willing to give your life versus to take your own life. That's that's like another different mental yeah. mental. Do you think that it was just like you just didn't see any purpose in yourself and you just didn't feel like you said you didn't have an identity so you kind of just felt like Honestly, I would say like it almost it's almost like I wanted to die, but I didn't have the courage to do it myself. Like I needed something I wanted to go out in glory and like the battlefield yeah. or something like that. Like feeling like this sense of purpose, which it is like it's a very selfless act to give your own life for the man standing to your left and your right and the people back home who like really sometimes I feel like they don't deserve it because like veterans are not treated well and yeah. stuff like that. People like talk so much shit about like the war in Iraq and like Afghanistan, even like Vietnam and all this stuff. And like, they don't realize that it's, it's, it's not the, the, the boots on the ground that choose to be there. You know, they're ordered to go somewhere to go fight some rich man's war. Yeah. You know, and they, they get all the flack, you know, yeah. it's the Lance Corporals that win the wars. Yeah. And then those Lance Corporals that make it home, like the war doesn't end. Yeah. You know, there are so many different, like, it's like, you're always in a combat zone, whether it's physically, or with mentally, yourself. spiritually, and yeah. emotionally. Yeah. You know, and like, I've, I didn't get to to shoot a 249 or, or fire a, a noob tube in the, in the desert, in the Middle East, but like, I fight battles every single day, like every single person on this earth. Yeah. So, like, I can't judge anybody else. I can't view anybody else differently because of what I'm going through. Yeah. Which is almost like what we spoke about in the car. Yeah. About shit rolls downhill. Yeah. It's like, 
that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's it's really crazy when you when you approach life with an open mind. What you like, what you can now see. Yeah, like and, we blind ourselves, bro. And that's and that's really what I what I've been realizing now that I've like that this this season of my life. That's a lot of what I'm realizing is that I was very closed minded to a lot of people. You know, I didn't understand alcoholism. I didn't understand anxiety. You know, I, I my my wife. You know, I, there's times where she gets anxious about things, and I'm just like, bro, just fucking deal with it. And then it's like, bro, you she can't just deal with it. Like these are things that people have to learn how to cope with or learn how to do different things. But bro, at the end of the day, man, I appreciate this conversation. I look forward to many more. Um, and thanks for coming over and just you know having my celebration of a thousand. You know, views today, and can't and wait more, to continue man. to reach out to more people and just tell people our stories. So, thanks for coming. Thanks for the shelters, man. <laughs> yeah.